Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. My Celebrate family, I'm loving this series. You know, it's my hope and trust that it has been so beneficial for your life. You know, we're hearing amazing stories, and we ask that you never hesitate in sharing with us what God is doing in your life. You know, I also trust that the Life Group materials and your time together has been so helpful, as well as the daily devotions that I'd written for you. You know, it's never my intent to simply give you something to do, but that it would be life-changing. Well, this weekend, I've asked Pastor Reed to give the message. It's a message entitled, Parenting to the Glory of God, and I can't wait for you to hear it. When he's done, I'll be back to recap as well as help you take those next essential steps. You know, I love you. Praying for you and believing that God is going to speak to you in a powerful way. Now, here's Pastor Reed. Hello, Celebrate. If you have your Bibles, would you open up with me, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6. Now, if that's a new book for you, You'll find it in the Old Testament. Go to the very first book of the Old Testament, then go five books in, and you'll find the book of Deuteronomy. Today, we're going to talk about how to parent to the glory of God. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, well, I'm not a parent. Does this apply to me? Well, let me ask. How many of you either have children or you were a child once in your life? Yes, thank you. That's all of us. Because here's the reality. This message is for everyone today. Why would I say that? Because either all of us either our parents, or maybe someday might be a parent, or you will have influence over someone that is younger than you, a child or someone younger than you. Could be in the role potentially as a mentor, maybe a coach, maybe a teacher, maybe an aunt and uncle, maybe an employer. So we're going to learn today from God's Word, Deuteronomy 6. We're going to start in verse 4. Moses is speaking, and here's what he said. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Friends, this is a marvelous passage. And Moses just said that we are to teach our children the law, God's word, and we're to teach them everywhere, all the time, day in, day out. Jesus loved children. God loves children. In fact, let me share a verse with you that tells you what God thinks about children. It's from Psalm 127. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy, like a warrior's fistful of arrows, are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you, parents, with your quivers full of children. God created family for his pleasure and for our pleasure, but for his glory. And as parents, we are to love and to lead our children into a lifetime of understanding, worship, and mission not only here on earth, but preparing us for all of eternity. So here's the question. How do you parent to the glory of God? Well, we talked 
briefly here out of Deuteronomy that we're to teach our children all the time, but what specifically should we teach them? We're going to look at three things we need to teach our children or children that are younger than us that we have influence on them. If you have your notes, take them out. Here's the first thing that we need to teach them. We need to teach them to love God first, not me. We need to do what? Love God first, not me. Now, there's a great verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 17, 6. I want to give you the verse, and then we want to illustrate it for you. It says this, Children's children are the crown of the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Let me say it again. Children's children are the crown of the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. What does that look like? I'm going to ask you guys to come up here, and we want to illustrate this to you. So let's walk through the verse again. It says, children's children are the pride of the aged. So let's pretend, not that you are in that age demographic, but let's pretend this represents child, this represents parent, Brent represents grandparent. So child, parent, grandparent. What the verse says is that children's children are the pride of the aged. In other words, grandchildren are the pride of their grandparents. Could we all agree on that? If you're a grandparent, you know that you are enamored with your grandchildren. You know, Cindy, I have three grandchildren. I didn't realize until our grandchildren were born how many ugly children there were in the world. <laughs> I had no idea because our grandkids are beautiful. So we all agree on that, that grandchildren are the pride of grandparents. Absolutely. But did you catch the second part of the verse? It says that parents are to be the pride of the children. Let me ask you. In our culture today, are parents the pride of the children, or is it more likely that children are the pride of their parents? You know what I see? I see the second. And because of that, what we have is we have a system that was not set up in God's way. Because if that's the case, and the parent is putting all their affection and attention on the child, as well as a grandparent, you're going to have some problems. Thank you, guys. See, what happens is if I'm not careful as a parent, my children can become the chief recipients of all of my love and affection rather than God being the center of my affection and my attention. Now, my kids are grown and they're young adults now. And to be honest, they're some of my best friends. And I love it that way. But the reality is this. As much as I love being a best friend with my children, my role is as a parent. And sometimes what happens is we try to be, as a parent, best friends when we are called to be a parent to them instead. See, God has placed you, if you're a parent, God has placed you in a child's life to re represent his loving authority to them. He's given us the responsibility of raising our children, teaching them how to serve, teaching them how to participate and be a part of his work. But here's the key thing. We need to make it clear to our children that we love God way more than we love them. Let me say that again, because that goes against the grain. We have to make it clear, if you understood what we just did out of Proverbs 17, we have to make it clear that we love God way more than we love our kids. In fact, let me ask you a question if you were a parent. What would break your heart more? If I asked you guys as parents, what would break your heart more? If your children didn't love you or if they didn't love God, what would break your heart more? That's a serious question to ask. 
Because you know what statistics tell us? Statistics tell us that the majority of kids who grow up in nice, comfortable, church-going homes where the family is idolized and the parents love their children with everything they had, walk away from the church after age 18. The route is this. The kids love their parents. They just didn't love Jesus. And they were taught how to do that. See, the goal as a parent is to transition our children from total dependence on us to total dependence on God. Because he ultimately is their real father and their master. Pastor Keith has a daily lifter. Some of you see that. It's on our Celebrate app or our website. But here's what he said a couple weeks ago. I think this is so good. In this world, we teach independence as a mark of maturity. As parents, we teach our children to grow up by learning to think and live on their own. Children grow up, and we want to aid in this process. However, in God's world, it's precisely the opposite. The mark of maturity, according to God, is dependence, a full and complete dependence on him. Thus, as we grow, he longs that we'd be like a helpless infant, fully and completely dependent upon him as our source for everything. So, as a parent, I want my child to have total dependence on God for everything in their life. That's what we want to move towards. Now, to do that, though, it means we must stand on God's word for all of this, which is contrary to the world. And that's sometimes where we get in trouble. As a parent, what would happen if the things that our kids were doing was contrary to the word of God? How would we respond? Let me ask you, would you be willing to stand against your kids if what they were doing was against God's word? You know what I find? There's a lot of parents that don't do that, either because they don't know God's word or they don't want to offend their kids. It's almost as if they're more afraid of their kids than they are of fearing God and God's word. See, what's the number one goal for your child? Number one goal for your grandchild. If I ask you that, what's your goal? I might hear things, and I do hear things such as, I want them to be happy. I want them to be successful. I have a good family. I want them to, to be wise in all they do. You know what the number one goal we just read it should be for all of us who are parents? It's my goal for my kids, my grandkids, that they would love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength, and they would love their neighbor as themselves. That should be our number one goal. Can I tell you something that you've already identified with kids? You can't fake them out. <laughs> they know it's real. You might say, oh yeah, I love God with all my heart. I love God with everything I have. But what do they see? Because if they see you enamored over them more than enamored over God, they see what the reality is. If they see you at all of their events, but they don't see you in fellowship with other Christians, in worship, in life groups, they know what's going on. If they see you saying, man, this is important to me, but they don't see you tithe, they understand what's going on. There's a family I know, and I've known for a long time, that the dad, to the visible outside, talked tremendous things of faith. Could quote scripture, lots of things, but inside the home, it was a different thing. And the kids saw the difference between what he said and what he really had as his priorities. You know what's interesting about those kids today? None of them are involved in church at all. 
So again, let me come back to the question. What would break our hearts more if our kids didn't love us or if our kids didn't love God? So we have to teach them to love God first, not me. Man, I love my kids with all my heart. I love my grandkids. I know that you guys have children. You love them with all your heart. I know that. But the encompassing love that we have for our kids should be dwarfed by how much we love God. That's a key thought. What's great, though, if we teach them to love God first, not us, here's the reality. They will love us. It's a promise from the Bible. So the first thing we need to teach our kids is to love God first, not me. Here's the second thing we need to teach if we're going to raise godly children, parenting for godly children. Here's what we need to teach them. We need to teach them to live for heaven, not for here. Live for heaven, not for here. Man, last week, Pastor Katie said, live eternal. I loved the illustration. I don't know if you guys loved it as much as I did, but I think you did because the illustration of the abandoned car. That has stuck with me all week. Maybe because I used to drive some of those cars. <laughs> I remember some of those. And if I could live in an abandoned car for six months, but then get a million dollars a year for life, I'm in. Now, the months I would prefer are mid-April to mid-October if I could pick those months, okay? That'd be my choice. But man, I love it when Pastor Keith said, this earth is the abandoned car. It's not about here. You know, every child goes through a stage where they are the center of everything. Am I right? I mean, as a child, they grew up. Man, when a child is born, they're adorable. They're cute. In fact, it's interesting. I used to be that way. Okay? Yes, my mom. I was a gorgeous kid. That was a long time ago, but I was. But man, when kids are born, they are the center of everything. And they learn quickly that when they cry, they can get fed. Or they can get held. Or they can get changed. You bring a six-month-old into a room, they are the center of attention. And that's cute as a six-month-old. Not as cute as a six-year-old or a 16-year-old or a 36-year-old or a 56-year-old. In fact, Romans 11 has a verse that I want to share with you. And it's going to give kind of a hint on something. See if you can pick it up. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It was subtle, but did you pick it up? Okay, who's the center of everything? Him. It's God. God is the center of everything. And we have to make sure our children understand they're not. He is. That's a key. So let me ask you, at our homes, how often do you talk about heaven? You know what? Pastor Keith gave us an imagination. He didn't, it wasn't an imagination. It was real. Out of the book of Revelation about a glimpse of heaven. How often do you and I talk about that at home? We should. We should talk about it a lot. Because one of the greatest things we can teach our kids is how to make decisions on everything in life according to an eternal mindset. That doesn't diminish some of the hard things that happen here on earth at all. Obviously, what all of us are going through, not only in this city, in the state, in this country, but around the world over the last two weeks, we don't deny that. And we don't make light of that. It's real. But the thing we have to do is we have to teach our children that life is short and uncertain, but their future isn't. Eternity is forever, and that is a promise. Every family member that passes, when a favorite pet passes away, gives us an opportunity to talk to them and reinforce this truth, to help them process it in the light of what's to come, that we live for heaven, not 
here. Cindy and I have two children. They're both now in their early 30s. And we've raised our kids, and now we're raising our grandkids, to not be afraid of death. Not be afraid of it. In fact, just recently we talked to them because we had some of our things redone and so our living wills and all those kinds of things and we were talking to our children and, and we made the statement that, okay, if I'm, I asked them personally, I said, if I'm on a machine and I'm plugged in and it comes that point in time, you have authority to pull the plug. I've told them that. I said, but I have one request. If I'm in the middle of a joke, let me finish the joke. If you pull the plug in the middle of a joke, I'm going to be really mad. I'm going to be really mad. Okay? But we can laugh about it. Why? Because we're not afraid of it. In fact, it was interesting. My son asked me a question. He said, Dad, he said, have you already planned for your funeral and for what you want? I said, well, actually, I have. He said, do I have the ability to speak? And I said, well, I would be honored to do that. And yes, I have that. In fact, I said, I was thinking about that for you. So I've already written out everything that I know you would want to say about me. Say, so you can just read it, you know, there, just, just to help you out. You know, again, we're not afraid of death because we live for eternity, not here. This is a car. Now, living for eternity means that we should also teach our children there are consequences to everything. Do you remember a few weeks back when we reminded ourselves that every knee will bow before God and that all of us will be held accountable for everything we do in our life? We need to reinforce that to our children so they understand the dynamics of that. In fact, sometimes parents come up and ask me about things that are happening with their kids or their teenagers, because I did that for a lot of years. And I ask them, do you pray for your children? And they say, well, of course I do. Uh, can I say, I say, can I ask you how you're praying for them? And then I give them a thought process. Here's how I prayed for my kids, especially as I got into their teenage years. And I told them that. I said, I always want you to understand that your mom and I are praying for you all the time. We do. But here's how we're praying for you. We're praying that if you obey God's word, do everything that God's word says that God will prove himself faithful to you, which we know he will. But we also pray that if you ever do anything against God's word, that he'll crush you. Crush you as quickly as possible so you turn back to God's word. We want our kids to understand that there are consequences to everything. We want them to learn that now, not get before God and then realize that. We have to teach them there are consequences. Also, we have to understand that as parents, we're responsible to teach that regardless of how our children react to that. God is a loving father, but God disciplines his children. I've been disciplined by God. He also loves to reward his children. The same way for us as parents, in prayerful consideration, we have to understand what it means to discipline our children and to reward our children as well. There are rewards and consequences. In the Old Testament, there's a, a great story. It's in 1 Samuel. It's a story of a priest. His name is Eli. And he has two sons that are in ministry with them. But it goes pretty clearly that the two sons, the Bible calls them worthless. In fact, they were evil. The Bible says, why? Because they stole out of things out of the offering. They bullied people. They were sexually immoral with women within the temple area. I mean, it was, it was bad. And it says that Eli, their dad, rebuked them, which simply means this, you guys shouldn't be doing this. But he never went the next step and removed them and had them suffer strict consequences because of it. Why? I don't know. Was he afraid that he would lose them as his sons? That they wouldn't love him anymore? I don't know. But he never did. And because of that, the consequences came 
not just on the two sons, but on Eli and beyond. Listen to this. This is in 1 Samuel 3, verses 12 and 13. This is God speaking. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever, forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Wow, did you catch that? It says he will judge the house forever. There are generational consequences when we don't obey God and then speak against it when our kids are disobeying God. It's important for us to remember that our children should be expected to obey God and his word immediately right now. There are always two rules at our house. So our kids are growing up. We only had two rules at our house. One, love and respect God. Number two, love and respect his creation. So love and respect God means we don't talk about should we go to church or not go to church. No, we love and respect God. It's in our language as well. Love and respect his creation. We treat his creation well. That means each other. We don't talk about people. We treat his creation well. How does that play out? Let me give you just an example. Mealtime. When you gather for a meal, I encourage you, no phones allowed. TV off. Why? Because we're going to talk to God first. Love God first. We're going to talk to God first, and we're going to give him honor, and we're going to give him glory. We're going to respect God. In fact, I want our kids to respect God, honor him more than they even honor us as parents. Explain that to your kids of what that looks like. Teach it to them. Deuteronomy has a lot of things to say about it. In fact, in Deuteronomy 32, God goes even a little bit further. He says this, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today that you may command them to your children. Not suggestions, not ideas, maybe possibilities. Command them to your children that they may be careful to do all the words in this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. Wow. It's not just words on a paper. It's their very life in every sense of the word. Man, instead of helping your kids try to get trophies on earth, let's help them get trophies in heaven, in eternity. Man, I love it when Pastor Keith said this, give your kids today what you want them to run back to 20 years from now. So what are we to teach our kids? If we're going to parent them to the glory of God, number one, we said, teach them to love God first, not me. The second, live for heaven, not here. Here's the third one. What do we teach our kids? Teach them to be a blessing not a burden. Teach them to be a what? A blessing, not a burden. Anyone who's parented know it can be tough. Some of you have heard the quote by Mark Twain who said this, when a boy turns 13, put him in a barrel and feed him through a knot hole. When he turns 16, plug the knot hole. <laughs> okay? Parenting can be tough, absolutely. You know what? I see though parents who give their children everything. And they do everything for their kids. And everything revolves around the kids' activities. Everything is, the, the kids are the center of the home. And I wonder, what motivates a parent to do that? Is it the way they grew up? A need to feel loved and accepted? A need to feel like that they're valued and they don't want to lose their kids' affection? Maybe it's just easier to do it yourself. But the truth is that when we serve our kids that way and we do everything for them, give them everything... What we're doing is we're raising up lazy kids. And what happens is they become a burden, not a blessing. See, I don't think people understand that there's a world of difference between parenting two different types of kids. For example, 
there's a world of difference between parenting a five-year-old versus parenting a future godly leader who happens to be five. Make sense? See, we are parenting for them to be a blessing in the future now, but also in the future to be a godly leader. So rather than parenting a 15-year-old, we parent a future godly leader who happens to be 15. It's interesting. I, I hear parents talk about their children, and they might be two years old, and it's the terrible twos. Uh-uh, not if, you're producing, not if you're working towards a future godly leader. It's the tremendous twos. Man, it's the fantastic fours. The fabulous fives, the sensational sixes. Why? Because they're going to be great godly leaders. We want them to be a blessing. That's important. To be a blessing, that means that each child needs to be taught a work ethic. Teach your children to work. One of the things we did with our kids, we didn't give them allowance, and we made them buy almost all their own things starting in fourth grade. Why? Because we were teaching them to be a future godly leader. They could work for it, but not just be given it to them. That's an important thing. If you want them to be a blessing, also teach them to be grateful for everything. Man, <laughs> you've, in my house growing up, if you ever said, man, I'm bored. Oh, you never said that. You would automatically get a amount of work that you would have that you didn't want. So you found something. But to be grateful for everything, not complain about what you don't have, but be grateful for what you do have. Man, teach them to be a blessing in the future or currently in their job or in school to bless those around them. Part of that means teach them responsibility. Give them responsibility and let them prove themselves that way. See, every child wants to have a mission, be a part of something bigger than them. Teach your children that they are part of God's mission and that God's mission is always bigger than our mission. When, we were growing, when our kids were growing up, there would be times that I had to miss a family meal. I might have to miss a recital. Maybe miss a ball game. I didn't want to do that on a regular basis, but that would happen. Why? Because I was a part of doing God's mission. And I wanted them to understand that God's mission was always greater than my mission, personally. I wanted them to understand that if I did miss a meal, or if I did have to miss a game, it was because I was working in God's world to try to help people who were not in a position that they would go to heaven. And I didn't want them to do that. And so I was out there trying to do that. And they could feel a part of that. See, our kids need to see us make sacrifices for God's mission. Otherwise, they will think they're the mission of us. That's important. See, when our kids know that it's not about them, they're not the center of the universe, but they're a part of a greater mission, and they see it in us, they want to be a part of it. Can I also give a thought? Remember when we talked about stats show that kids walk away? after high school, I wonder how many times because they never saw their parents were in a greater mission. They were the mission of their parents, not God's mission. It's important. Make the mission of God the top priority of your life and then use that to be a part of raising your children. See, if we do that in the right way, then what happens, our kids will understand that they're a part of God's work and God's the center in the universe, not that they are the center of our world, or even worse, they're the center of their own world. So teach them to be a blessing, not a burden. Well, those are three thoughts that come out of Deuteronomy, how to parent for a godly children, godly parenting. So where do we start? Where do you, where do you go from, from here? Let me give you two thoughts of where to start. Number one, simply start with you. Just start with you. 
Here's a verse out of 2 Corinthians 12. Paul's writing, he says, I have no interest in what you have, only in you. Children should have to look out for their parents. Parents look out for their children. I'd be most happy to empty my pockets, even mortgage my life for your own good. Is that our mindset, that I have no interest in what you have? I only have an interest in you. Gang, it always starts with you. So let's ask these questions that we walk through today, personalize it. Am I a person that puts, loves God first, not my family? Am I a person who lives for heaven, not for here? Am I a person who's a blessing, not a burden, that I'm on mission for God? If we can say yes to those, then even though we'll have things that we'll kind of make mistakes on, we're okay. We can move forward with confidence. If you weren't able to say yes to those three things, then it starts with you. Admit that before God. Repent your heart and say, you know, God, I've put my kids before you. I've put their aspect of their life and they've become my mission. You weren't my mission. Get that right with God first. Let it start with you. The second thing then is this. Start where you are. Start with you, but then start where you are. So if you haven't made a regular habit of this, start reading God's word on a regular basis. If you don't have a Bible, come to the church office. We'd love to give you a Bible. Where do you start if you haven't been reading? I encourage you to start in the book of John. Read about the life of Jesus because that's who we're emulating. Let your kids see you reading God's word. Where do you start? Maybe if you haven't been praying at mealtime, pray. Pray together. Shut everything else off and start praying together. Start worshiping together in your home. That's what is great happening right now because church is in the home. And you can do that not only with your life good, but bring your family as a part of that. Start worshiping together. But let me give you one last one. Where do you start? If you're married, start connecting with your spouse. One of the greatest things that you can have your children see is that you and your spouse are in love with each other. That you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but then you love each other as well. What security that gives a child when they know that mom and dad are that way. Your integrity in marriage means everything to your kids. When they see God's word played out right in front of them, between the two of you, even though it's not perfect, there'll be times that it gets a little tough, but they see it played out, man, that'll give them confidence of what they can do in their lifetime as well. Always remember, vision is caught. It's never taught. So start with you. Start where you are. Example is always the best thing. I remember this phrase from Coach John Wooden said this, I'd rather watch a winner than hear one any day, so please, my loving father or mother, let your life show me the way, for I'm just a mirror of what you do and say. I may misunderstand all the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding the way that you act and the way you live. Let's be that for our children. So let's parent our children to the glory of God by what we do and what we say. Let's teach them to love God first not me. To live for heaven, not here. To be a blessing, not a burden. And God gets all the glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is as true today as it ever has been. Thank you for giving us guidance as parents, as mentors, as coaches, any of us who work with children or have children around us, that what we are to do God, help us to take these three truths and to teach them in the morning, in the evening, when we rise, when we sit down, all the time, everywhere, teach them over and over again. God, we love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, 
all of our strength. God, help us to let that be seen in our children. All for your honor, your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen. Wow, what a great message. Let me take a moment and recap those significant points. As a parent, teach your kids to love God first, not me, not we as a parent. This is so vital, but may seem a little strange for it's not something we hear these days, is it? Think about it. What good would it be if our children gained the world but lost their soul, a soul coming from Jesus, not us? You see, if their devotion is here, we're the recipient of that devotion. But if it's here or here, they may not be the recipient of His. You know, I'll never forget the words of my middle daughter. You know, Dad, I grew up having your faith. Now, I have my own. What greater words could a dad ever hear from their child? Talk about amazing, and I'm so proud of her for that. Here's the second thing Reed said. Teach them to live for heaven, not for here. This eternity mindset is so important, for this is not our home, and to teach our kids to live, to invest in something that will outlast this place, wow, that's the game changer. It's like playing a game knowing full well you win. Every play, every moment, you already know the outcome. Talk about having fun now, and a fun not only with yourself, but with your teammates. I mean, think about it. it. It changes everything. Every mistake made, every blunder, doesn't matter. We win. You see how it works? Then finally, teach them to be a blessing, not a burden. Moms, dads, we don't have to wait for our kids to grow up and make a difference. They can make a difference right now, right where they're at in the school hallways, even though right now that's not gonna happen, or on a sporting field, wherever they are, what a time to be a parent to help them in their generation. You know, this is an amazing message, and it's my hope that you will take these principles and apply them to your life. You know, I love being your pastor, and I'm excited about what God is doing in the days ahead. God bless you. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.